This is the Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. This episode of the podcast is supported by Lagoon. One of the most important things you can do for your training, running, life in general is get good sleep. I have looked for a really good pillow for a very long time, and I'm so happy to have landed on Lagoon. This has helped me improve my sleep immensely, and it can do the same for you. Waking up has never felt more refreshing. So you can go take their two-minute sleep quiz to find your match. I'm the fox. That is the pillow that I matched up for, and I love it so much. It is so comfortable. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y. And use the code Lindsay for 15% off your first purchase. I can't wait to hear what you think. All right, today on the podcast, I am really excited to welcome my friend Sarah Vaughn back to the show. This is her fifth time on the podcast, so it's safe to say she's a favorite over here. Sarah, for those of you who might not know her story, she's a 1500 meter runner turned marathoner, and she's the mom of four. She's a full-time realtor. She ran her third marathon this past fall in Chicago, placing seventh in a time of 2.26.23. She also recently announced that she is running the Boston Marathon this spring. So lots of exciting things going on with Sarah. And one of the things we talk about today is the Vaughn Child Care Fund that I am so excited about. This is a new project Sarah is taking on to provide support for parenting undergraduate student athletes. One of the big parts of Sarah's story is she had her first baby as a junior in college while she was a student athlete, and she did not have a lot of resources herself and has made it her mission to help provide people in similar situations with resources. As the NCAA slowly adapts to include parents in their mission of education, inclusiveness, and well-being, they are still a highly underserved population. So Sarah's new project is here to help fill that gap. They're gonna help with financial support for childcare, mentorship, policy writing, and policy adoption. I'm so proud of Sarah for taking this step and supporting other people who are in the situation she was in. She's gonna tell you all about it, and I hope we can all go support what she's doing. You can learn more when you go to vonchildcarefund.org. You can support by giving a one-time donation, a monthly donation. Reach out to Sarah. She is SME Vaughn on Instagram. Let her know you are in her corner supporting this awesome new fund she has going on. And also best of luck training for Boston, Sarah. We cannot wait to see what you do in Boston. Uh, All right, friends, if you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a quick rating and review. When you leave a new rating and review, you are entered to win a pair of Gooder sunglasses. So why not go try? And so exciting. It's February. So we can announce our winner from last month. So the winner for the new pair of Gooder sunglasses comes from, oh, they got it in just in time, January 31st, Jay LaForce. Awesome variety of runners. And Lindsay does a great job connecting with each guest. Always feel like I learned something really cool or feel understood or encouraged. Keep up the great work. All right, Jay LaForce, email me, lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com. You won a free pair of Gooder sunglasses. All right, go leave a rating and review for the month of February, friends, and you'll be entered to win for the next month. Okay, enjoy my conversation with Sarah Vaughn. All right, Sarah, I went back and looked. This is your fifth time on the podcast. Ah, yay. Thanks for having me. Sarah Vaughn back on the show. Um, I think I could do like a weekly show with you and that would be really fun. But of course, you're somebody who probably doesn't have the time for that. Yeah. I mean, I always feel like I could talk to you about everything, but, um, but yeah, especially the last 24 hours have been hectic with, um, I feel like I've had a sick kid at least one since October. Um, and it's just like never ending. So Oh, it's so frustrating. Knock on wood. We've been super lucky over here. And I feel like every time I say that, like something's going to go down. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll pray for you. <laughs> we, uh, we just had some people over last night for dinner too. And we got the text this morning saying that their kids were sick with like a different kind of illness too. So I Lysoled everything, but it's uh, too late. so I'm just kind of, um, yeah, I'm scared, but hopefully we'll be okay. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny cause we're having people over for the Super Bowl in a couple of weekends and, um, I was like extending the invitation list. I think I've invited like seven families so far. And I'm like, well, should we invite them and them and them? And I'm like, wow, you're really like expanding the amount of illnesses that can be brought into your home on this one weekend. (laughs) Totally. But I feel like, you know, now, now that my oldest is 16, I feel like I've been exposed to everything. So it's usually just the younger ones who are getting it. So maybe we're doing them favors. We're building their immunity. That's right. Give them all the exposure. And I'm a, the more they're mer- the merrier kind of party person. Yeah. So I think I'm just going to keep inviting. <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> uh, so Sarah, the last time you and I talked was after Chicago when you had a stellar race. And I'm curious what those next couple months look like for you. Yeah, um, I think I was pretty tired after Chicago. So running wise, especially mileage wise, I certainly have not been back full throttle. Um, I've been running with my oldest daughter a lot and with her team a little bit, which has been fun and decided to do, you know, an indoor track race with her and just kind of shift focus and um, try to get a little speed back and just freshen up a little bit before getting back into my next marathon build. So that's what I've been doing. Um, and just kind of putting running on the back burner again, kind of reprioritizing things as we've talked about in the past. Like I just can't do them all equally well all the time. And so for me, it's really healthy and and needed for me to like shift running back to like fourth position (laughs) and focus on the rest of the stuff in my life. So that's what I've been doing. I mean, yeah, it's like the only way I feel like you can do this at such a high level consistently. Yeah. It's the only sustainable way for me, or I end up just like it all blows up, which sometimes that happens too. You know, I just like mistime it and, or I don't plan a break and I burn out or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, it is, I I have to build these breaks in, or at least like these mental relief time periods for me. So that's, um, it's been good. Yeah. What does that look like though? Like how many miles a week does that on average look like for you? Yeah, I probably ran between 60 and 80 miles okay. a week. Um, so it's still training, but not, I didn't double, like, I don't, I haven't been doing double runs at all. Um, which is a huge like time, like back in my life. So it gives it buys me back a lot of time every day, not to have to double and, um, and like enjoy my evenings a little more with my family and cook and hang out. So I've been enjoying that. And then just like one or two track workouts. And then I'm just not as tired, like Mm. marathon training. I just, you know, you're just beat down and you're tired all the time. So 60 to 80 miles a week has seemed really refreshing compared to 120. It's so refreshing to hear you say that, like, you're just tired all the time, marathon training, because everybody that trains for a marathon gets to this point and they're like, why am I so tired? Am I doing something wrong? And it's like, you're doing something right. You're training really hard. That's what it is. You're just, it's a tiring thing. Exactly. Yeah. And I, again, like I'm glad my marathon buildups are only 12 weeks long because, um, I, I couldn't live like this all the time. It wouldn't work. Uh, so talk about the mile you, you were doing with your daughter, Kiki. Yeah. So I decided to jump into an indoor track race and I love the 300 meter track at Seattle. So I put that on my calendar and then it sort of dawned on me that Kiki could come with me and sort of, um, sneak in an unofficial visit and maybe race. And she was getting really fit. She ran five Oh six up here for the full mile, like a couple of months ago, um, in Boulder. So I thought, Oh, she's never broken five. It'd be really fun if, um, maybe I could pace her. So it kind of like snowballed as this one little, like I might do a mile race into this mother daughter, um, UW tour trip. Um, so it was good. We, we went out a couple nights before her race and then, um, she ended up getting really sick. She had a bad cold and probably shouldn't have raced, but we came all that way. She gave it a good go and, um, she got to see the campus and experience the weather and, um, just like explore the city a little bit. So, I think it was overall, it was really like, it was a really unique experience. I hope we can do it one more time. Um, but yeah, I mean, she'll be taking official college visits, I guess this spring. So is she a junior? Yeah, she's a junior. Wow. Okay. UW that's Marisa Powell, isn't it? 
Yes, it is. And um, it's cool because it's a lot of the coaches that we knew when we were in the NCAA. Um, Marisa, actually, her oldest son is Kiki's age as well. So I remember like them playing in, at indoor races after I had Kiki and Marisa was coaching at Oregon. Um, so it's like so many full circle moments have been happening lately with her. And like so many of these coaches know her from when she was a little baby. So it's mm. it's really cool. I don't know. I'm so excited to see where she goes and we're trying to be pretty hands-off about it and like let her figure it out on her own. But um, yeah, it's really cool because like, I don't know if you saw the the post that like she came to UW with me when she was a baby mm. when I was in college and she, you know, has been at that track. Of course she doesn't remember, but like, yeah, it's just, uh, that's really cool. Oh, wow. Okay. So this is so cool because, um, you know, I just felt it in my heart when you said that you, raced there like you took her with you and she was playing on the track as a baby and really that's like what we're going to talk about today a little bit like you have a really cool project happening but for listeners who might not know your story I mean you have four kids and one of those kids you had a very long time ago in college can you share a little bit about that part of your story yeah no I, I would love to um so yeah, Brent and I met when I transferred to um, to Colorado as a sophomore, and we started dating shortly after, and um, and we got pregnant and had Kiki. I was I was twenty. Um, I was going into my junior year. It was in the fall, and um, yeah, when those when when that happened, and it was um, a surprise, and we were like learning how to deal with it ourselves. Um, we also experienced a lot of like, I don't know, unknown and, um, people figuring it out in the administration and coaching side of things as well. So, um, it just doesn't happen happens more than people think, but at, at our university at that time, it hadn't happened. So nobody really knew how to deal with it. And I think just like navigating that and not really having any advocates for me at the time, like guiding me or telling me my rights or, or anything like that, that experience kind of always stuck with me in a way. And yeah, I think something like 20% of undergrads experience pregnancy. Um, and I don't think those numbers are any different for athletes. Um, I don't know why they would be so, um, and obviously not all of those pregnancies end up with a baby at the end, but at the same time, like rights, uh, rights for women and how they're supposed to be treated in the athletic department, even at a university. Um, a lot of those just like the rules and the groundwork just doesn't exist. Um, people tend to ignore it and kind of hope that those situations go away. Yeah. I wonder how many of those pregnancies would come to be if people felt like they had a support system. Yeah. I wonder that too. And I think the position that I was in with, you know, a solid relationship and just really strong feelings about, um, carrying a baby and having a baby. I, that situation was hard. Um, and I, you know, I can't imagine how many women are also in that situation and didn't maybe have even any support. Mm. And so just like, I'm not a big fan of like, figure it out and good luck. Mm. I'm like, here are your options. And several options were laid out in front of me, parenting really wasn't one of them. Um, so just to have like an extra choice, uh, for women and not only to have that as a choice, but to also back it up with some support has always been my dream. So, okay. And this is a little bit different too, because we're talking specifically about someone who is an athlete and competing in college. Um, so talk about that piece of this because getting pregnant in college is scary regardless and now yeah. you have this other layer, like, oh, I'm on this team and I want to continue competing after I have my baby. What does that even look like? Right. So, like, was it, you know, we talk a lot about these professional contracts when, um, and times have changed, but when people's, they had reductions and things like that. And we've had a lot of change now, but like, is it, is it even known in college? Like what happens? Are you just off the team? What does that yes. look like? Such a good question. I mean, nobody informed me of my rights and, um, you and know, what were your rights? and well, at the time they weren't, they were non-existent. So I think I was lucky in that my coaches quote unquote, let me keep my scholarship until I could like earn it back because the pregnancy redshirt bylaw did not pass until the year after she was born. But that was in 2007 and the NCA really hasn't updated or changed any of their legislation since 2007. 
they paid somebody a few years ago to research pregnancy in the NCAA. And um, this woman who I was just in touch with yesterday, um, her name is Candace Williams. She did a case study with 12 parenting undergrads, division one and two athletes across like four different sports. And she found that like 10 out of 12 of them still participated in practice before they told their coaches they were pregnant. They did not know um, about the pregnancy red shirt. They did not know. Um, so the NCAA states that an athlete who becomes pregnant cannot be treated any differently than an athlete with a temporary disability. So it's sort of treated like an injury. Mm. Women don't know that. Like nobody, I don't know, nobody tells you that. So I guess what, what Candace found was that there's just a complete lack of communication um, and that you should know about your pregnancy red shirt, just like you know about a stress fracture and how to deal with it and what the protocol is. And in a separate study, something like between 80 to 90% of universities, athletic departments don't have any written policy regarding pregnancy and parenting. And um, so, yeah, there's, there's just this like big gaping hole of like, there's no, no support and there's also no protocol. And as much as like, I feel my experience was difficult, I think part of it was, and I tried to give everyone involved the benefit of the doubt because they hadn't really dealt with it before, but part of it was just like if there was a written protocol, if there was X, Y, and Z, just like they do with a stress fracture or low iron or whatever, like if it's written out and if people know what to do and everybody's protected, especially the athlete, um, that would solve a lot of problems. So what was your support system at that time? Like, did your, did your family live nearby? How did you go to class? What did that look like? Because we all know, like, once you have a baby, like you have a baby, <laughs> like that's yeah. your life. So my support system, I had family a couple hours away. Um, and then Brent, Brent and I just scheduled our classes kind of opposite of each other. And then we hired a babysitter for practice. So we were living on stipends and Brent was playing online poker. That was, that was, <laughs> that was the extent of our income. Um, Childcare doesn't get paid for with your scholarship. That's just an added need. And before name and likeness and things like that, like we just had no other I tutored maybe once or twice a week, but it like, it just, we had no other way to make money for more childcare. So yeah, I feel like Brent and I didn't see each other for a couple of years. Cause we were such on opposite schedules. Um, cause we couldn't afford anybody to step in. So yeah, it was, it was crazy. And I think that, um, I was actually pretty blessed in that situation. We had teammates that would pitch in and we had, mm. I had Jay Johnson was my coach at the time. And he was really super supportive. I mean, he would watch Kiki while I would go warm up for races and, um, you know, a lot of unconventional help, but no formal like support. Wow. Okay. Jay Johnson. So I read running with the Buffaloes because Kara and Carolyn and I did a book club on that for relay. So nice. he, he must've been not that much. He's not, can't be that much older than us though. Yeah. Jay, no. Jay Johnson. I, yeah. Like maybe eight or 10 years older. Um, but okay. it was before he had kids and he was the assistant coach. Okay. Um, at CU. Yeah. At CU. Okay. So after he ran at CU, he went on to be assistant coach there. Right. Okay. Gosh. After I finished that book, I was like, I got to look up what every single one of these guys is doing. Like I wanted to know like where everybody was. And I, I have kind of known who Jay Johnson is though. Cause he's, I know he's a big coach and like, I follow him on Twitter and everything, but okay. That is like the sweetest thing that he helped yeah. out and like, would just, just cute. Yeah. That is so nice. <laughs> Yeah. Kiki called, called him uncle Jay for a long time. JJ. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. What a cool community. Wow. Um, so your daughter's getting ready to go to college and you had such a different college experience than you went into college thinking you were going to have and knowing she's so close to the age you were when you had a baby, like what feelings does that spur up in you? I mean, it's crazy to think of her as, as that grown because I don't feel that old. <laughs> Um, in a lot of ways, but I think that, um, she and I have a pretty unique relationship and we have like very open lines of communication and, um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not ever advocating for somebody to have a baby in college, yeah. um, to be clear, like that yeah. was, that was a really hard experience. And I don't think that, um, you know, if given the choice that, that, that makes a lot of sense for most people, especially if you're an athlete and you have a scholarship and you have all these physical obligations, um, it was really hard, but at the same time, stuff happens. Like sometimes God's plan is different than our plan. And, um, 
I don't know, just like honoring that with like a little bit of support, I think can give women in that situation an experience that, I don't know, that they maybe wouldn't have had or like wasn't the original plan, but can still be like really, really good. A quick break to let you know about Prevenex. This is where I get all of my vitamins and supplements and they are clinically effective, proven to help with longevity, performance, and everyday health. They have a wonderful protein powder. They're Nurify Plus, chocolate and vanilla. We use it every day in my house. I use it. My kids use it. We make smoothies with it. It is delicious and it is packed with nutrients. I take their multivitamins and their Joint Health Plus supplement every day. If you have achy joints and you're looking to protect your joints, go check it out. They have a money back guarantee. If you do not see a difference in 90 days, you will get your money back. They believe in their products. I believe in their products. They also have vitamins for your kids that my kids take and they have a give back model. So they donate a bottle of children's vitamins to malnourished kids around the world for every purchase that you make. So it's just a great company with high quality ingredients that work. Go to Prevenex.com, use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your first order. And when you support a sponsor of this podcast, you are also supporting this podcast and the work that I do and the people that work behind the show. So for that, I thank you. And you'll get really good products as well. So that's Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER to get 15% off your order. All right, back to the show. Um, okay. So this brings us to what you're doing and I'm so excited. So I know, you know, I actually remember when we first talked about, um, your story in 2020, you had a vision to want to support college students and athletes specifically who were facing pregnancy and what you went through. So now this is something coming to fruition that I'm so excited about. So share a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah. So we've had an endowment at CU Boulder for, um, for undergraduates who are parenting to help them with, um, childcare costs for a while. And this sort of like satiated this itch, but I just like, I've been so overwhelmed in life that this has been on my heart, but I just haven't gotten around to it. And finally, um, I did an interview a few months ago, um, with a woman named Victoria Jackson. And she kind of like, I don't know, the interview itself, like made me realize I need a put my money where my mouth is and just do what I keep saying I'm going to do and just Mm -hmm. like what's stopping me. And the only thing stopping me really was like the logistics of starting a nonprofit. I had no idea. I still don't really know what I'm doing. It's so much work. It's it's a lot of work. And, um, I just, am like, I don't know, I'm going to write some random bylaws. This looks good. Does the board, you know, all the things I just like kind of figured it out as I went. But, you know, a few weeks ago, I was looking at the calendar and I was like, let's get this. I really want to announce the beginning of this year now that I have my nonprofit status approved and National Girls and Women's in Sports Day is February 1st. And I was like, oh, that looks like a good deadline. Let's shoot for that. And I didn't even have a board at the time. And then I realized that that was like in eight days. Um, from when I made this decision. So, oh my gosh, great, like, you know, true Sarah fashion. I'm like, let's set a deadline and then let's get it done. Um, so we put together a board, which are women that I've already kind of talked to about it. Um, but a special group of women, um, Sarah Slattery, who I'm sure, you know, and she's just so well connected and is going to be really helpful on a lot of fronts. And then, uh, Liza Pasciuto, who was a teammate of mine here at CU Boulder, and a really good friend and one of those teammates who pitched in and babysat Kiki all the time and just, you know, was like with me through it. Um, so she has very unique perspective and she's also like a very successful business person. Um, she's helping a ton with the marketing and she's also just super connected. So I'm really happy to have her on board. And then our, our fourth member besides myself is a woman named Ashley. And she was our actual first recipient of our scholarship at CU Boulder. So she was an undergraduate parent as well. So she brings that perspective. Um, yeah. And it's really great. So we got together, we had our first board meeting last week and, um, you know, I think for me, it's, the foundation itself or the, when we're calling it a fund, it's going to be grants essentially. Um, but it's going to be sort of a three prong approach all with the goal of helping 
um, parenting undergraduates, student athletes get to graduation. So that's the main stat that I have the biggest problem with is that most, mostly women, um, many of them drop out when they find out they're pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just want them to see that there are other avenues. And so how we're going to do that is by giving them funding. Like I said, you know, saying, Hey, here, you should do this and good luck. Um, I'm not really a fan of that model. So here's another option. And if you choose that, here's some money to back it up. And then also coupling that with some mentorship. So like I said, when I was going through it, I really just was, was winging it. I, I didn't know um, if people had babies in college. Cause I, I didn't know if that was a thing or if, um, or if I should drop out or if I should take a semester off. Um, I didn't know what to do. And I think like a mentorship piece of it is going to be really huge. Um, and then the third piece is the policy part. So like I said, most universities don't have any form of written policy um, in their athletic departments. And there should be a written policy and it should be easily accessible. Um, the athletic trainers, the administration, the coaches, the athletes, the compliance department should all know about it and be able to reference it so that they know what to do. So that, you know, like I have a million examples of weird things that happen to me, but like getting kicked out of study hall or like, uh, you know, having to be back in class four days later, those things should have I know there should just be protocol and rules around it to protect the athlete with the goal of getting them to graduation. Getting kicked out of study hall. What did you get kicked out of study hall for? Um, being pregnant. What? <laughs> I was, I was told I was, um, a distraction. And then the, um, the guy who was in charge of the study hall didn't believe that I was an athlete. It was an athlete study hall. And so he was like, you're definitely not on a team. You need to get out of here. I was like, no, I am. I'm on the track team the whole thing. But I mean, if, wow. if there's like some sort of, you know, like way to, to outline athletes, you know, who are pregnant should have the same access to study halls and tutors and I don't know, dining halls, whatever it is like that should be written. Cause I didn't know what to do. So I just left. <laughs> I mean, also like how embarrassing, like it was, it probably oh. already felt like a huge stigma to be a pregnant girl in college. Like you already feel like uncomfortable because like who else is pregnant here? How did yeah. you, how did you feel being pregnant on campus? For sure. I, um, I stuck out pretty badly. Yeah. <laughs> Most people were really nice, honestly, yeah. or just didn't, didn't really notice. Um, about half of my professors were really sweet and about half were pretty ambivalent or just like not very nice, but you know, it was a mixed bag. And, and again, like when it comes to written policy, like the the university itself didn't have any sort of like policy for how much class I got to miss due to pregnancy or labor and delivery, things like that. Um, they had a written policy for the professors and the administration, but not for the students. So um, there's just like, yeah, there's a little bit of a gap. And I think for me, the biggest thing I learned um, like post-collegiately studying the numbers was that for those who take a semester off, virtually none of them come back to graduate. Mm -hmm. So that was really important for me to just like keep plugging away. And I think like the scholarship piece of it and um, having to keep working towards my degree and being in a minimum of 12 credits and all of those things, like actually at the end of the day saved me because that just like kept me in school and kept me going. So same with our foundation, the grant will have really similar um, requirements and basically any athlete is going to have those anyway. So we're not making anybody do anything extra to earn the, the money. Um, they just have to show need that they have a dependent, that they have a childcare bill, um, and that they're an athlete progressing towards graduation. So, okay. The endowment that you already have, that is specific to CU. Yes. Correct. Is, is this new, the new thing that you're doing, what's it called? And is it for CU or is it for college athletes anywhere? It's for college athletes anywhere. Okay. Any, di any division. We haven't put restrictions on it. It's also for male or female. Um, a lot of, I read a study um, in my research for getting uh, ready to launch this. And um, yeah, a lot of football and basketball players are dads. Yeah. That have um, financial responsibility of childcare. So, you know, it's open to that too. Um, it's called the Vaughn Childcare Fund, vaughnchildcarefund.org. And yeah, and that's, 
that's, you know, like I, I know I sound like a broken record, but really the goal is just to get everybody to graduation. Mm-hmm. And if we can help them jump the financial hurdle, that's, that's going to be huge. I hope. Yeah. Because, um, when you look back at your life, do you see like how differently it would have been had you not gone on and completed your degree? Yeah. I think for most people, it makes a huge difference. And I mean, maybe it's not that I use my degree itself every day, but that I got to finish my college experience like I was meant to. Um, You know, I got to use my eligibility. I got to, um, you know, participate in a team and go to class and do all the things that I that I should have been able to do. So how do we help you? I know like we're doing this interview on the podcast, but like, how do we get the word out? Like, are you contacting, you know, tons of colleges and just being like, hey, this is available just making sure that all college coaches that you can possibly get in touch with know the deal. Yeah. Yeah. My biggest fear is that we fundraise and we have this money to give away and nobody knows about it. Yeah. So it's, and it's hard. So even talking to um, the woman who was hired by the NCAA to research it, she had a hard time tracking down um, the women who had experienced pregnancy um, as an undergrad. It's just, like I said, most of them just kind of drop out or go away and, uh, it's it's hard to find them. Um, we already have our first applicant. So I'm Yay! super excited about that. We'll get to announce tomorrow um, our first recipient. But yeah, but like if you, I guess the biggest way to help is, you know, if you know somebody who had a baby and, and they're still in college and want some childcare fund, um, have them go to the website and apply. It's a really simple application. I don't want to add any burden to any parenting undergraduate's life. So it's basically an an online form, a short essay, like one paragraph and that's it. And um, my hope is that post-collegiately, some of these people who receive support can come back and serve on the board for a year or be a mentor for the next people. But um, but yeah, I mean, there's over 200,000 female college athletes um, in the NCAA. And if the 20% number applies to them, that's, that's a lot that could potentially be affected by this or, you know, um, need it. And I, and I just think the need is bigger than what people realize. So yeah, again, my biggest fear is that nobody knows about it. So I'm trying to, like you said, talk to coaches, um, compliance departments, athletic trainers, and the athletes themselves. Um, social media is, is going to be a pretty easy way to do that. But, and then I'm, the time will come to where I would love help from anybody who feels compelled to, uh, to fundraise. Yes. That's what I was going to ask you, like, where, where are the funds coming from right now? Yeah. So that just some random donations have come in. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I give a pretty big chunk of my, um, you know, like I donate any race money that I win. Um, so a part of it has gone to that. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's curious, like what the need is to me, I'm, I'm curious what the need is going to be. And then hopefully just match that. Like, I don't have any financial goals because I don't know if five people are going to apply or if one person is going to apply, but like at CU Boulder, we've, we've always had four or five applicants every semester. So, um, Mm -hmm. I'm hoping like nationwide we'll have that. So, um, on our website, I based the giving levels off of like the average childcare costs in the country last year. So, um, so you can go on there and see if you want to, you know, like give a, a week's worth of donation or a month's worth of childcare, like whatever, or, or any number really, but that's, uh, that's how I set it up. So your, is your goal to be able to, f- to fill the need of anybody who applies? Yeah. My goal is that somebody applies, they literally send us their bill and we just can pay it for the year. Their childcare bill. The childcare bill. Wow. This is so fascinating to me. I was just, I was just thinking yesterday when I was like spinning in my head about this, I was like, I wish I could like do something where I provide childcare for people in those settings. Like I wish I could like help people with childcare so that they could go do the thing they need to do if they can't afford the childcare. And I don't even know how you do that. It's like, so I really commend you for putting all this together and like doing the nonprofit. Like there's just so many pieces and it's overwhelming. The problem is more complicated than giving money for childcare to, to parenting undergrads. Like let's be realistic. Childcare in this country is um, it's expensive and it's, there's shortages and um, yeah, there's a lot of things that we could spiral into talking about, but I mean, this is one thing I can do and I'm with you. I'm like, 
a friend calls and they need me to babysit. Like it's hard for me to say no, but I'm like busy and I've got my own kids and I've got (laughs) running and work and my own therapy and just all kinds of stuff. So I'm like, well, I've got, I've got this on my heart and I've got this passion. And so this is like a need that is realistically going to be, you know, quote unquote, easy to fill Mm. for a handful of people who apply. And I I hope it's more, I don't know how many it's going to be. If 20 people apply, um, I might be asking for more donations, but, (laughs) but you know, if five people apply, then I think, I think we'll be good. Um, I'm, I'm just excited to like, to provide something that's like practical and useful. Okay. I love that so much because like we were talking about how overwhelming these needs can feel, but what you said is so perfect. It's like, this is one thing I can do. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're not solving the entire problem of what it's like to have a baby in college while you're an athlete, but you're doing something right. and something that is very substantial. We get frozen, you know, like we get frozen when we think, oh, it's just too big. I can't even like touch it. I think that's why it took me so long to start. Yeah. But like you said, this is one thing I can do. And the other problems I mean, my hope is that this helps somebody and they graduate and then they solve another problem. And then that helps other people who solve other problems. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just happy knowing that, like, if I help one person, which I already know we get to help one person, I'm so excited to help her. Um, Yeah. Then like, then mission accomplished. I don't, I don't expect to be helping thousands of people every year, but um, yeah, one at a time. And like the first, the other girl that I mentioned on our board, our first recipient of the scholarship at CU, she has said since she received that, how much of a blessing it was and how she couldn't wait to give back in some way. And so now she gets to do that. And it got her wheels spinning about other things. She's a veteran and there's all kinds of stuff that she can do in her world. And so, yeah, I'm excited to see where, where, where it goes and like whoever we can help, if it spurs them to help other people, that's exciting too. That's it. I love that. That's so good. Yeah. That spiral effect is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me a little bit more about that mentorship piece. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you asked what, what we need help with. Um, I guess the other things are like, as I said, I don't really know what I'm doing with a lot of this, but the mentorship is going to be, uh, somebody's phone number who's done it before who you can call like that's yeah. the extent of it. So, um, so our woman, that's our first recipient coming up she has my phone number and I'm like, call me. I know you have sisters and a mom and a boyfriend, but like they didn't have a baby in college and I did. So call me. And she, and she has, and we've had a couple of really good conversations. So, um, that's it. Like, it's just, it's, it's not an agenda. Um, I'm not pushing anything on her. I'm just like, well, this is what I did and this is what worked and this is what didn't. So, um, and then like that third piece of it, the policy writing, I definitely need to bring someone in on our board that knows what they're doing in that aspect, because that's beyond my, um, experience and pay grade. But so if anybody out there knows about policy writing for universities and wants to volunteer, let me know. Hey friends, one more quick break here. Do you know about Relay? Relay is a new group that I'm a part of. It is a collaborative effort of elite runners and running content creators publishing high-end writing, audio podcasts, and video pieces. They provide insight, knowledge, and entertainment to dedicated runners. We have some really cool things going on over there, including I do a book club every month with Carolyn Sue and Kara Goucher. We publish 20 pieces, 20 plus pieces a month. There's always a podcast happening over there. Once a week, we've got a different podcast going on. And we also have some live sessions that have interaction available as well, which is really fun to get to know the community. So listen, it's $9 a month. There are nine creators on this website. So um, we're really transparent about where that money is going. It goes to the creators. So for $9 a month, that's $1 per creator. And we are putting together some really awesome running content that I think that you will really enjoy. We're having a lot of fun and we'd love to have you join the community. Um, Some of the past episodes I've put out over on Relay include conversations with Emily Sisson, Emma Bates, Brad Stolberg, Steve Magnus. And coming up, we're really excited about this. We're going to have Laura Thweet on Relay as a guest and myself, Mike Cafuzzi, Peter Bromka, Kara Goucher, Carolyn Sue, Marcus Brown, we're all going to talk to Laura about her training for Boston. And she is going to ask us questions, all of us who have run Boston before, 
Um, I think Kara might know a thing or two, and she's going to give some really good Boston advice in that episode. So listen, for $9 a month, 20 pieces plus a month, you can have access to all of that and get to know the Relay community when you go to patreon.com slash relay. We hope to see you there. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of the podcast. Okay, so I'm curious. You unexpectedly get pregnant. You're very young. What is something somebody could have said or maybe something someone did say that provided you with comfort and empowerment or that you would have wished someone would have said that would have helped you feel like, okay, I can do this? Yeah. I mean, I think I think that just what you said, like, hey, you can do this. Like, it's, it's not going to be easy. And that's, you know, what I said on the phone the other day to this this other woman, I'm like, it's going to be hard. It might be the hardest thing you ever do, um, but you can do it. And with a little bit of support, it would have been a lot easier. And I'm, I'm really um, aware of how, how great of a situation I was in with Brent and everything mm. um, to get through it. Um, he was really helpful through the whole thing, but um, a few people had said to me, don't take a semester off. Don't drop out. That was really important to hear because mm. um, a lot of people kind of told me the opposite, like, just go away and then come back when you're ready or just, you know, <laughs> go take care of it and come back later. Um, and so those comments were not helpful. Um, but but what was helpful is just like a little bit of faith. Jay was great. I mean, Jay was talking to me about making the Olympic trials when I was still pregnant. And I was like, oh. I can't even like think that far ahead. But he was like steadfast in, um, in his belief in my ability. That was really helpful too. Just having someone like a little, you know, just a little nudge here and there was really nice. Oh my goodness. Um, talk to me about the difference of having a baby and being pregnant at 20 and your most recent baby. Were you 35? How old were you when you had 33, 33. Okay. Which is still like, you know, these days, a lot of people, that's like when they have their first baby, right? Yeah. So much easier when you're 20 though. Like, um, <laughs> and you know, I, physically, physically, like just, um, you know, like each time it was harder to come yeah. back. And I think it was because it was four years longer and I was four years older each time. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't really, I don't really remember what it was like coming back because it was so long ago. And I think I was like, so busy and in the moment, I didn't like think to like, I don't know, write anything down or, or try to remember, but I, I remember running pretty shortly after and like being back at practice and racing, you know, I made NCAAs when she was like seven months old and I just like jumped right back in your body. Just kind of, you know, that's the only time a bounce back is like legitimate is when you're 20. (laughs) It was just like, I was fine. It was all good, but it was like, it was hard in that, like I wasn't sleeping and, um, you know, I never saw my, my spouse and Mm. there were lots of hard logistic things and like financially, but I mean, we were so broke, we were so broke, but we just do what you had to do. And we got through it. And we like Brent and I always say to each other, like nothing we encounter will ever really be as hard as those couple of years. So, um, yeah, so we got through it smooth sailing from here. Uh, I always talk about this topic with my mom because my mom was a very young mom as well. She was 19 and, um, she's always just like, you guys are all overthink everything. We just like did what we had to do. Like, you know what I mean? Like she worked at pizza hut when she was pregnant with me and like all the things, you know what I mean? Like they just had to pay their bills and like take care of us and make sure we were fed and safe. And it was like, there wasn't all this like extra how should I do this? How should I do that? It was just so much more intuitive, you know? Yeah. Just do what you got to do. I mean, that's how very, that's very much how we were in the moment was like, nobody told us, Hey, you should arrange your schedules like this. And you should have a babysitter for this. I mean, there was a lot of noise and like a lot of um, unsolicited advice, Oh, sure. but there was no one. Yeah. So we just were like, we'll figure it out. We'll just, we'll just figure it out as we go. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, okay. So really excited about that. And I hope everybody goes to the website and checks it out. We do have to hear about your decision to run Boston. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's a big deal. It is a big deal. I'm like a little bit scarred from last year. Still, (laughs) I mean, I wasn't remind everybody about what happened. Yeah. Well, I ended up, you know, waking up all achy and my back hurt and 
I was like kind of feeling nauseous on the start line, but I thought it was just nerves and it wasn't nerves. It was COVID. Um, so for 26 miles, I had stomach problems and I had a fever, Ugh, like thinking about it just kind of makes me feel yucky. But, um, but like beyond that, it was a great experience. So I, I, I feel like I need a little redemption. I need a do over. So I'm signed up, ready to go, or I will be ready to go. It's an exciting list of elite oh American women running. Speaking of overwhelming things, I'm like, I looked at the list and I was like, I'm not looking at that again. (laughs) I told Brent, I'm like, I think I'm like ranked 30th or something like PR wise. (laughs) Like I was, I thought, I thought I got left off the list. I was like, oh, here it is. Oh, next page. Wait, I'm still not there. Third page. Oh, there I am. Like the field is so deep. Um, It's very exciting. And I just have been training really hard and I'm not going to look at the list again. I mean, the thing about that list though, in Boston is like those really fast times don't matter so much at Boston. It's, it's an equalizer course for sure. Um, yeah. And, and I think like my fitness keeps building and I know by the end of this, you know, marathon buildup, I'll be fitter than I was last time. So whatever, I feel like I have good momentum. I'm not really sticking to the numbers on the page or overthinking those too much, but, but, but like, I'm truly not looking at that list again. Okay. But um, everybody's going to be there. Yeah. I'm like, is that person? Yes. They're, they're all going to be there. (laughs) Um, but so many people that are going to be there do live in Boston or sorry, Boulder and train in Boulder. So I'm curious if you'll be like hopping any, in any workouts with other Boulder athletes who are running Boston. I would love to half of Boulder went to Arizona (laughs) because it's been so cold here Uh, and that's not really an option for me. So, but yeah, I, um, same people that I train with all the time, the Boulder underground crew, I'll be hopping in with them for some long runs. And I, the last buildup, like getting ready for Chicago, I ran with Laura Thweet a couple of long runs. So I love to jump back in with her when she gets back into town. So yeah, I've been trying to be better about meeting up with people to run. My husband has done 90% of my training with me and he decided to like not run anymore. (laughs) Um, so, uh, it's just me and my dog most days. And I just, yeah, I just need to be more intentional about, cause there's so many people here in Boulder and you know, we're all friends. So it's nice to, to meet up. So, um, Katie, Katie Follett and I have been trying to meet once a week and that's been good. Cause we've known and raced each other since we were in college. Um, so for 17, 18 years, so it's fun to, to meet up with her. Uh, Laura was who I was thinking of as I was thinking of like, who's running Boston. Yeah. Um, what's up with Brent not running anymore? He decided he wants to be a weightlifter. Oh, he's going the Ryan Hall route. Okay. (laughs) So he's bulking up and he's getting all strong and it's, he feels really good. Um, I think obviously that's important being almost 40 and a man, I think like lifting weights is probably something he should do. Um, and running just doesn't feel good to him anymore. He trained so intensely for so many years that he deserves a break and it's fine. And we have an e-bike and, it's fine. He'll be fine. I just miss his company on. on yeah. Cause he but. would like run with you. He run, would, run. he would. Yeah. He would do most of my mileage and most of my workouts too. So kind of a bummer that I lost a training partner, but we picked up a training partner. Um, Bree Bomer has been training with us and she'll, she'll be at Boston too. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's plenty of people in Boulder. I just need to be better about organizing it ahead of time and like, you know, scheduling it. That's hard to do though. When you work full time, it's super hard because and four kids it's like, cause you want to just like, Oh, when can I squeeze it in? And if you're like, you have it planned with someone you're like, but I need to move this. And I cancel half the time. Yeah. Like half the time I schedule with somebody, I ended up, you know, I end up changing it. So that, uh, I don't know, but in a way it keeps me accountable too. like, yeah. I had this meeting with you at 1230 and I was like, I don't have to run till 10. Um, and if I plan on meeting people at eight 30, it's, it's a little better for my day. So, yeah. Yeah, that is tough though. I mean, even as at like my just like simple kind of running that I do, I don't even like scheduling with people because I'm like, but what if I decide like now's a better time and like right. I need to capitalize on this one hour. Totally. <laughs> I do it all the time. I just tell people like if I cancel or if I say no, it's I'm not. sorry, just keep asking. It's not you. <laughs> yeah, it's not you. It's me. I yeah. know. I know. And most everybody understands. So it's oh, funny. for sure, for sure. Um, so like Chicago is such a flat, fast course. Uh, what are you doing differently to train for Boston? Is that the most basic 
podcaster question ever? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a good question. Uh, you know, the terrain around here in the winter leaves us with limited options as far as like, you know, all the trails are too icy and snowy. So um, it's all the same stuff that I was doing for Chicago. Like I didn't really, there's nowhere flat, like to mm-hmm. run around here for mm-hmm. a 20 mile long run. They all kind of have hills. So I would try to like avoid them during Chicago training, like maybe of a 10 mile loop, I would go out six miles and back six miles instead of like that really hilly section in Boston. I'm just doubling down on the hilly section. So tomorrow I'm actually doing two mile repeats back and forth over like the hilliest um, part of the boulder back roads. Um, Yeah. Just like embracing the hills. I think for me and the way I'm built um, and like my past experience shows that the downhills are okay. Like I can handle the downhills really well. Um, it's actually like the uphills for me that I, I feel like is a, a weakness. And so I'm going to be working on that part of it. So I know you had like a crappy race last year. So like you ran slower than you would have expected and your body felt like crap because you ran so much slower than you were really trained for. Like, did you feel the same effects on your quads that you would have had you run like, you know, like a 228 or something? I don't think so. I wasn't sore at all. Minus okay. my like yeah. sore, but, um, no, I, my back was achy, but that was from before, just like a flu type symptom. Uh-huh. Um, but my quads weren't sore. No, I didn't run hard enough to experience that. So. so that's interesting though, going into it then, because like, you know, that's a thing. Cause everybody knows that's a thing with Boston, yeah. but you like, you didn't have that effect because of the experience that you had. So it's like, how do you make sure that you are totally prepared for like what that quad damage is when you do run hard? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I keep comparing it to, um, CIM with all the downhill and like, I was pretty sore after that, but like I handled it well in the, in the moment. So yeah, I mean, I think we'll be prepared. I mean, naturally we're going to run as many downhills as we do uphills. So it'll be, it'll be both, but I don't know. I think my body just absorbs that pounding on the downhill a little easier than than maybe other people. So I'm not going to take that for granted, but I'm like not too, too worried about it either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's going on with Puma? It's just, you know, awesome gear every couple of months and great shoes. And they keep sending me like, I've just really been enjoying training in, in their shoes. Um, they keep innovating. They keep sending me like new stuff to try. So yeah, all good. And you know, I got, I got some bonuses last year, so that's super fun. And I'm, yeah, I'm just like living the life of a pro athlete part-time. <laughs> and then, um, give us a little, fill us in a little bit on the realtor life. Yeah. Real estate's weird in Boulder right now, because I think in a lot of parts of the country, things are slow, but it's pretty busy here still. Um, low inventory, high yeah. demand interest rates are coming back down. So that's good. Um, so a lot of people are re-entering the market and I think it's going to be really busy. Um, I was just talking last night to a group of friends, like kind of saying, have all these like passions. And I sometimes feel overwhelmed with like trying to feed them all equally. And it was nice that running's um, been on the back burner, but it's bumping up to the front again because we're like 11 weeks out from Boston. Wow. 11 weeks. That's it. Yeah. I think it's 11 or like 10 and a half um, or yeah, 10 and a half. But I just like, I think real estate is still like, I don't know. I just keep finding myself having energy for all these things. And I just, I really feel like if it's a passion, if it's something like God puts on your heart, like you'll have the energy for it. So I keep thinking I'm going to like need to slow down on one or the other. And I I haven't gotten there yet. So, I mean, I feel like that's the recipe to a happy life. Right. Not like, not like shutting those things out because you have to focus on this other thing. I, right. I know it can feel overwhelming and busy, but like, you get, you get one life and you're in your thirties one time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm loving life right now. I am. It's, um, we're in a good, like we're all in a good place minus somebody being sick for the last four months. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been like a long road to get to where we are, but like, I don't know, it's, I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't trade it. So I was just thinking about that today. I was like, my kids are four, six, eight, and 10. And I just feel like those are like, what do they, do they call those the golden years? I don't know. I just feel like it's like so good because you, there's no more babies and toddlers. Yeah. We're not to teenage angst. Like yeah. we're just right there in that middle spot. And I'm like, 
don't yeah. go anywhere. Oh, that that is such a sweet spot. You are so right. Cause I only have one that's in those. And I mean, yours are, so, yeah, yours are so spread out that. Well, I mean, lots of ranges. <laughs> the, the parenting thing that nobody really tells you about is like, you don't sleep when you have a baby and then you stop sleeping again when you have a teenager. Um, so I've been working on that, like for Chicago, like, can you please just be home an hour early so, so that I can go to bed? Because it's not that I like, you know, I should go to bed, but my brain just like, won't turn off until I know she's home. Yeah. Um, so, oh, um, sure. Hopefully she's on board. I love that. She's like getting more into running and like kind of getting a little more nerdy about it because then she's a little more understanding and also coming home early just because like she has a morning workout or whatever. So that's been kind of nice. Um, but yeah, the, your ages of your kids, that is a super sweet spot because middle school can be tough too. David's three, like he's been waking up at night. He's been having night chairs, which is like no fun. Just, just always something. Yeah. Um, when I was growing up, we lived out in the country and like, you know, I would be like driving home at midnight when I'm 16 on these like curvy roads. And I'm like, how did my parents sleep? I mean, I swear they were asleep every time I got home. I'm sure. I mean, maybe it's because they were so young. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. Or my mom was too. I just, I just like, I, like I'm half awake if I try to go to sleep and like, I have one ear open, like waiting for her to come in the door. And, um, I don't know. I just can't do it. So, and I like have trouble going to sleep anyway. So that doesn't help. (laughs) I mean, Marshall went to a high school football game with our neighbors the other day. And like, obviously their parents were driving because he's Ted and they got home at like 11 and I could not sleep until he was home. Cause I was like, what if they get in a wreck on the way home? Like, and I am not, you know, I'm not normally paranoid about that stuff, but I was like, I, I can't sleep until I know they're like back in our neighborhood. Yeah. Um, well, when I got to see you in Chicago after that race, which by the way, was just like so fun and cool because I got to see your whole family. And was that the first time we ever actually saw each other in person? No, we met in North Carolina, um, at Sir Walter. Duh. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. We talked for a long time there. Yeah. At the dinner at the, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cause I was like, man, it really seemed like we really, really knew each other in Chicago. Right. Um, but that was definitely the first time like you'd met my family. And that was so sweet. So are they coming to Boston? Yes. Yeah. Brent wants to bring them all. I am a little more nervous about like them trekking through Boston, watching the race than I was for Chicago. I was nervous for Chicago at first. And then I realized that like, it makes a loop. And as long as you're on the inside of that loop, all the roads are shut down. And I didn't really like that put me at ease thinking about them biking around Chicago, obviously Boston point to point, no road shut down. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it. I'm not going to, you know what? It's that's his thing. That's Brent's thing. Your job is to run as hard as you can for 26 miles. Exactly. It's going to be fine. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I almost feel like they just got to set up shop on Boylston or something. I don't know. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, I, that's kind of my hope is that like our, um, somebody will be there with them at the finish line and Brent can like Brent can hop around. If he wants. Yeah. Yeah. And Kiki's old enough that like she can help with David if there's like another adult available and yeah. And they have like a hospitality suite for them, which will have like, you know, snacks and stuff. That's all my kids care about. So isn't there a thing where there's like babysitting at meets now and things like that? That's track meets though. The U.S. championships, of course, last year, the first year I didn't go in like the last decade was the first year (laughs) that they had it, but amazing. I'm like, definitely so great. So proud of them for doing that. Honestly, at a world major marathon, that should be something that they should think about because I agree about how many moms are on the starting line. And well, and you really want your spouse, especially a lot of people's spouses are their coaches Coaches, to be out there, like running, hopping around on the course and stuff. So yeah. That's our next project. There you go. Let's call, let's call Alice and Felix next and figure out how we do this. Let's get that, let's get that happening. I love it. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much. And thank you for all your hard work and supporting all these other young moms who are facing some really hard challenges that it's going to be this much easier for them to, to do what they need to do. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on and, um, and letting me blab about it. And I'm, I'm super excited and, and thanks for helping us spread the word. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Sarah, for coming on the show, for sharing your story, and for all that you're doing to support student athletes. Go to vonchildcarefund.org to support Sarah's efforts there. 
And uh, hey, thanks to our sponsors of this episode, Lagoon and Prevenex. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay and use the code Lindsay, that's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, for 15% off your first order. You will not be disappointed. This is the best pillow ever. Uh, Prevenex, best protein powder. I use their joint health and their multivitamin. Prevenex.com. Use the code another or Lindsay15 for 15% off your order. I really appreciate each and every one of you coming back and listening to the show. We have an awesome coaching series coming out soon. John Green, Ryan Hall, Sheila Burrell, Kevin Hansen, and a couple other lined up that we're really excited about. Those four are already recorded, though, so we're going to be getting those out here in just a week or two. Um, That series is supported by VDOT, which is the coaching platform I use. Really pumped to bring out these extra episodes and I learned a lot from these coaches and I know you will too. So, uh, hey, you can connect with me. I am lindsayhine626 on Instagram, at lindsayhine on Twitter. And uh, come join our Facebook group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. Thanks for being here and we'll see you next week on I'll Have Another.